morning once again and welcome to Riverway. Uh, my name is Jeremiah and we're so glad to be here today as we kick off week two of our series called Bulletproof. Ryan started it last week. Uh, but this series is all about living a protected life by God against the enemy of our souls and against spiritual attacks that come our way. Uh, but this series is all about how are we prepared in life? How are we prepared spiritually for when we face things that are evil or spiritual attacks in our lives? And being prepared is very important, as I'm sure many of you have experienced uh, in all areas of our lives. Uh, for instance, has anybody here ever uh, jumped into maybe an intense workout program after, say, not working out or doing anything healthy for about two or three years? Anybody? Anybody else? I see a couple of people that are not bright like me, so thank you for that. I feel very encouraged. Um, but a few years ago, I kind of on a two-year cycle, okay? I kind of work out hard for three months, and I quit for two years and just forget everything I did and then do it again in two years. And if you can't tell, I'm about ready to start it again. It's been about two years. Um, but two years ago, I decided to do P90X. Because you see it on TV, okay, look at these guys, they're ripped, I'm going to do that, I'm going to get ripped over 90 days. Um, but it's kind of zero to 100, okay, I didn't like to slowly ease into things because that would make too much sense. So I'm like, you know what, I'm going to start day one, I'm going to work out as hard as I can, but I'll listen to my body, you know, my body says, hey, slow down, maybe don't do it, take a few minutes off here, do it, but I'm going to try to push through. So I did, I pushed through, I made it through the first workout, I was like, okay, apparently I'm not in as bad a shape as I thought I was. And I go upstairs, get some ice, and I just sit down on the floor. I'm like, I just need to sit down and, and breathe for a few minutes. And suddenly, over the next 10 minutes, um, the goodness that I felt quickly left my body. And suddenly, my body caught up with uh, everything I just put it through. And I felt like I was about to pass out or vomit. And it was so extreme that I actually had to crawl from my living room to the bathroom. And I'm laying there on the bathroom right by my toilet. This probably looked very pitiful. But I was just waiting for this you know, evilness to get out of my body and throw up. Unfortunately, I didn't end up throwing up, but eventually I laid there for about 15 minutes. The floor was nice and cold, which really helped. Um, but I learned a valuable lesson, which I'll probably forget in another two years, but to start slowly and to prepare myself better for working out and things like that. But the truth is we need to be prepared in all areas of our lives, um, not just physical, but also spiritual. And that's what this series is all about. How do we prepare ourselves spiritually when spiritual attacks come our way? And we're reading here a letter from the Apostle Paul that he wrote to the church in Ephesus. That's kind of the foundation of this series, Bulletproof. Um, but he wrote this while he was in jail. So Paul was uniquely qualified to talk about spiritual attacks and evil things happening while he wrote this letter because he was in jail for what he was doing. So let's take a look here at what he says at the beginning of this passage, Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 10. He says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God, so that when you take your stand against the devil's schemes, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. This is the spiritual attack that we're all up against. And last week, Ryan talked about how the enemy wants to come to steal, kill, and destroy all the good things God is doing in our lives, the good things God has given us. He wants to take those things. He wants to destroy those things. But not only that, but he's really smart about it. And we talked about how he doesn't start with some massive thing, but it's usually a small thing. Maybe it's a lie he tells you. Maybe it's a doubt he gets you to believe about yourself. The enemy is just looking for any foothold to begin to put doubt into our minds, into our hearts. And that's how he comes to steal, kill, and destroy what God is doing in us. It doesn't come with a big blatant thing, but it's usually a little thing to get us just to take a little step in the wrong direction. Has everyone else ever felt like that? And I feel like every few months, the enemy's just trying to steal something. He's trying to plant a little seed of doubt, of hesitation, steal some of the truth that God has put in me. And that's why this series is so important, because we're going to learn what to do when that happens. And here's the great news, that this battle is not ours alone. 
And it certainly won't be one in our own power, but it's admitting and recognizing that we need God's mighty power. That's what it's all about. It's about admitting that we need it, and it's about recognizing it. And your very first feeling here today is that the first step in overcoming evil is to acknowledge your need for God's power in your life. Step number one, acknowledge your need for God's power in your life. We all need to do this. We need to acknowledge that we can't do it on our own and that we need God's help. And there might be some of you here today, I know I'm in this boat, that sometimes we have a tough time asking for help. We have a tough time raising our hands saying, yeah, I need help here. I want to I figure it out myself. I got myself into this mess. I'm going to get myself out of this mess. That's a dangerous game to play. And it's a slippery slope as well. And we need God's power in our lives. This is the truth. We all need that. And we can put on this truth. He's willing to give us what we need to stand up to spiritual attacks. And in another letter that Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, he encourages us with these words. And I love how he says it, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. He says, No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. And this is my favorite part. He says, But when you are tempted, not if, but when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. When you are tempted, he will also provide a way out. God always provides a way out. Another way to look at it is he will always equip you for what you need to stand up against the enemy's attacks. And that's your next film here, is that God has already given us what we need to defeat the enemy, and all we have to do is put it on. Like Paul said, all we have to do is put it on. And throughout the series, we're going to be talking about the things God equips us with to be enable, enable us to be strong in him. That's what the next three weeks are about. What has God given us? What are these tools? How has he equipped us to be strong in him and to thwart these attacks of the enemy? Our passage in Ephesians continues here with chapter 6, verse 13. He says, therefore, put on, again, we read, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, not if, but when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist and with the breastplate of righteousness in place. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. These first two things that Paul mentions, the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness. And for those of you who weren't here last week, you didn't get a chance to meet Roman the Roman. Um, he's kind of our mascot for this series. Um, he looks very intimidating here with his armor. But these are the two things that we're going to look at here. The belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness. And you see, something that we have to understand, especially when we read a list, especially when we read this list that Paul gives us, something is very important about the first thing in the list. Like if you're following a recipe or instructions on building something, if we get that first thing wrong, it's going to throw off everything that comes after it. So whenever we read a list, sometimes we need to pay close attention. Why did they put that thing first on the list? It wasn't just an accident. It wasn't just throwing a bunch of good things in a list. But there's something very intentional about putting the belt of truth first. I mean, has anybody ever tried to fight somebody while holding up their pants, right? I mean, it probably didn't look very pretty. So not only is this very spiritual, but practical as well. Okay, if you're going to be in a fight, have a belt on. Okay, it just makes sense. But we start with truth because it's so important. And Paul understood this is a foundational thing in our lives, to start with truth. Because even Jesus himself talked about truth. So let's look at what he said to help us understand how huge this is. In the book of John, Jesus says this, to the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching and you really are my disciples, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Later on in the same book, Jesus says this. He says, I am the way and the, what's that word? The truth. I am the way. I am the truth 
and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And much earlier in the book of Psalms, King David even wrote this, Psalm 40, verse 11. He said, Do not withhold your mercy from me, O Lord. May your love and your truth always protect me. May your love and your truth always protect me. So here's Jesus saying, the truth will set you free. He's saying, I am the truth. And King David says, your truth will always protect me. You know, I love that last song that we sang, Hope Has a Name. It's such a powerful name. Like, I think sometimes whatever we're going through, we just need to sing that song. We realize hope has a name for whatever circumstance. His name is Jesus. But this morning, truth has a name as well. And his name is Jesus. So when we talk today about what does it mean to put on the belt of truth, it means we put on Jesus. He says it himself, I am the truth. So we need to look to him as the truth. So if Jesus is the truth, then that means that Jesus will set you free. Jesus will always protect you. Your next feeling here is when we put on the belt of truth, we're embracing Jesus, his freedom, and his protection. We're embracing Jesus, his freedom, and his protection. But it gets even better, as if it could, right? But it does. You see, putting on the belt of truth doesn't mean that we simply strive to live lives of truth and honesty. That's not what it means. But instead, it means that we're learning to accept Jesus' truth about us. You've got to understand, it's no longer about trying harder, but it's about trusting more. Putting on truth isn't about trying harder, it's not about doing more, but it's about saying, God, I trust you even more. And I think if that's the truth, we could all accept, man, the amount of heartache that would save us. Because sometimes we're just spinning our wheels, trying harder, trying harder, doing more, doing more, when simply Jesus is saying, just trust me. Just trust me. And the cool thing is that when we trust him more, not only will God's truth fill into us, but it'll also pour out of us. And the lives that we want to live will be able to live because we filled ourselves with God's truth for us. So with that, it's so important that we understand what does God say about us? Who are we? Who does God say we are? Because everything else in our lives is telling us who we are. Whether it's people, whether it's the media, whether it's employers, whether it's the boss, somebody is telling us who we are. So it's so important that we know who we are in Christ and what God says about us. So Paul writes in the book of Galatians 3.26, he says, I am God's child. John writes, I am Jesus' friend, 1515. 2 Corinthians 5.17, Paul says, I am a whole new person with a whole new life. Earlier in the book of Ephesians, Paul says, I am God's incredible work of art. Incredible work of art. 1 John says, I am totally and completely forgiven. Ephesians 4.24, I'm created in God's likeness. Matthew 5.14, I am the light of the world. And lastly, Romans 5.8, I am greatly loved. And those are words that you need to hear this morning. That you are greatly loved. You are a friend of Jesus. You are an incredible work of art and you are completely forgiven. So with all the other things, with all the lies that the enemy wants us to believe, those are the truths that God wants us to embrace every single day. You see, the apostle John was one of the closest people to Jesus. He was in his inner circle of three. And it's funny because throughout the book that he wrote, the book of John, he refers to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved five different times. And when you read that, it's like, wow, John, that's a little conceited, okay? Let's just let's be honest here. I mean, you've got a lot of other good disciples around you. The one that Jesus loved, really? 
I think it's easy for us to poke fun. I mean, consider, like, how do you think, you know, your kids would respond if one of them walked around saying, you know, this is my brother, this is my sister, I'm the one my parents love, you know, it's just, it's who I am. I don't know if it would fly well at work when you introduce your coworkers to, you know, somebody at a meeting, hey, this is John, this is Carl, and uh, I'm the one the boss loves. I'm just going to get that out of the way right now. It doesn't look good. And at first glance, you're like, John, this is kind of a bad look. But as we look at this even closer, there's an incredible truth that we can find in that. And that truth is that John placed his entire identity in what Jesus thought of him. It wasn't in his failures. It wasn't in his shortcomings. It wasn't in his successes. It wasn't in his family history. It wasn't where he came from. He placed his entire identity in what Jesus thought of him. And that's something that will change a life. Because suddenly all these things that we are prone to believe about ourselves fail in comparison to saying, I am the one Jesus loves. No matter what my background looks like, no matter what mistakes I've made, I am the one Jesus loves. So how powerful is that lesson we take from John? And your next feeling here is that knowing our identity in Jesus is the truth we need to put on every day. Knowing who we are in Jesus, that's the truth that we need to put on every single day. And you know why when you do this every day, it might seem a little extreme. Man, every single day, yes, every single day. Because you and I are prone to find our identity and just about everything else in this world. Every single one of us. And sometimes they're good things. So it's, man, I just got that promotion at work. I just nailed that deal. I just finished my master's or I'm going to Oxford, some of these awesome schools. Yeah, I'm going to Harvard. Or my kids are successful. My 401k is huge. All these things that are good things. It's easy to find our identity in those. Now, on the flip side, there might be some of us who find our identity in our shortcomings. Maybe our identity is, man, I'm the one who got divorced. Or I'm the one who got laid off. You can't just seem to catch any traction. I'm the one who has a broken relationship with my kids, with my parents, my spouse. And the truth is that sometimes we say these things over and over and over that we begin to think that that's who we are. But what John would say is, no, no, no. Just because those are part of your life, that is not who you are. You are the one Jesus loves. No matter what mistakes, no matter what the past looks like, you are the one Jesus loves. And that changes everything. But here's the truth that we need to embrace this morning. It's that the things that God says about us, what he thinks about us, it's so much more powerful than the lies of the enemy, than the doubt that he wants to creep into our minds. And that's the truth that we need to remind ourselves, like I said, every single day. We need to put on this belt of truth every single day. Last summer, my oldest son, Caleb, uh, was playing on this baseball team. And if you've ever never seen my son, Caleb, he's, he's a big kid for an eighth grader, just all around big kid. I'm kind of worried they're going to start asking for his birth certificate at baseball tournaments because he looks like a little monster of a child. But... Um, He's a big dude, and his baseball coach gave him the nickname Big Poppy last year. Uh, big Poppy, David Ortiz, played for the Twins before they weren't very smart. He went to the Red Sox, became like the best power hitter of our generation. You know, typical Twins luck. Uh, but his coach gave him that nickname because he's a big kid. He hit the ball really hard. It just kind of fit him and his whole personality. 
And let me tell you that the difference that made in his uh, approach and his self-esteem and uh, his joy for playing, and every time he went up to bat, something changed when his coach started calling him that. And even it's transitioned to this year with kids on his team. He comes up to bat earlier this year. They're chanting, Big Poppy. And I'm just thinking, oh, my gosh, it's going to his head. And how am I going to just, I mean, eight-year-olds have a tough time, you know, handling success. So it's, it's kind of difficult, but it's fun still. But it changed his whole outlook when he goes to play baseball. And not only that, but it's even been a ripple effect where now his younger brother, Jackson, uh, he asked me if I could start calling him Little Poppy because he thought it was so cool. And I agreed. So we started calling him Little Poppy. And seeing the difference that makes them, seeing how much they light up when they hear those nicknames, it's unbelievable. And I look at that and I think, wow, if some kind of silly nickname from a baseball coach has that kind of power, has that kind of impact to just change their whole demeanor, their whole outlook, their whole attitude about going about something. How much more should the words of our Heavenly Father have that same impact on us? Where suddenly it's not this lie that I heard, it's not the doubt that's cast in, but suddenly it's, I'm a child of God. I'm Jesus' friend. I'm his incredible work of art. That should light us up, knowing that we are completely forgiven and totally loved by God. And we need to tell ourselves that every single day because life can be tough. And it's very easy for the enemy to creep in because he knows this. The enemy knows that when we think these things that God thinks about us, it's very easy for us to be like, you know, I'm going to attack the enemy. I'm going to defeat the enemy. But when he can get a foothold in us, when he can cast doubt, when he can steal those things God says about us, he knows he has us right where he wants us. So that's why it's important. Every single day we put on the belt of truth. We embrace who God says we are. And that's how we live all this truth in our lives. You see, the next thing that Paul tells us to put on is the breastplate of righteousness. And all week, the guys in the office were trying to tell me, dude, Jer, you should get a bulletproof vest. I'm sure we know some cops. Get a bulletproof vest, put it on, and let one of us shoot you on stage. <laughs> right. You know, you know, not necessarily a real gun. If you don't want to, it could be a paintball gun. I'm like, guys, that's a terrible idea. Why would you want to shoot me? <laughs> On stage, I mean, unless you want to speak the rest of the message, by all means. Uh, but they thought this would be a great idea. Needless to say, I vetoed that, and I'm a little upset with my coworkers. Um, <laughs> but we put on the breastplate of righteousness. And this really discards our most vital organs. It protects our heart. I mean, that's a kill shot. That's why they put it right there. Because I know if you can attack the heart, that could kill the whole person. So the breastplate of righteousness protects us and righteousness, here's our definition. It's the quality of being morally right and justifiable. The quality of being morally right or justifiable. And Paul refers to the righteousness that Christ gives us in the second letter he wrote to the church in Corinth. And this is what he said chapter 5, verse 21. He says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And this transforms our lives because literally we get to inherit God's righteousness for us. And that's so important because your next feeling here is that in our daily spiritual battle, righteousness protects our hearts. In our daily spiritual battle, righteousness protects our hearts. That's why we need the complete righteousness of Christ. And as a result of that, we'll be able to continue the righteousness that comes as a gift from God. We fill ourselves with righteousness and righteousness comes out of us. You see, the enemy tempts us with all kinds of sins, but righteousness protects our heart. 
You know, God's instructions are often mistaken as uh, burdens or as ruiners of fun. Man, God doesn't want me to have any fun. Why does he put all these restrictions on me? But really, he's trying to put safeguards in place to protect our hearts. Just as parents put rules in place to protect their kids from hurt and from things that will damage them, God gives us those instructions as well. He says, if you will protect your heart, if you will make right choices, you'll protect your heart. You'll take on my righteousness. You see, later on, Paul would say here, he says, put on the righteousness of Christ. Like we read earlier, put on the righteousness. He says, put on the peace, put on the salvation. He's not saying get peace, get righteous, or get good, because that ruins this whole metaphor, right? The metaphor is to put on, and that's what Paul says. He says, put on the things you already have. I'm not telling you to go find these things. I'm not telling you to create these things. I'm not telling you to discover these things. I'm just telling you to put on what I've already given you. It's at your feet. Simply put it on. And that's what Paul is saying. So what does that mean? It means that we remember who we are in him. That truth piece we talked about, it means we remember who we are in him. You see, we're all guilty of looking to something or someone else for approval to give ourselves self-worth and of even forgetting who Jesus is to us and who we are to him. So quickly are we to forget that. Instead of remembering him and simply accepting what Jesus has for us, we try to work harder in an attempt to earn righteousness. And you know how I know this? Because I do this way more often than I care to admit. If I just do a little bit more, if I just work a little harder, if I just do this one more thing, if I, if I, if I, if I, if I just do more. But Paul tells us this incredible truth when he writes to Galatians 2.21. He says, I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, or if righteousness could be gained through doing more, if righteousness could be gained through work, if righteousness could be gained through trying harder, then Christ died for nothing. If this was something that you could do on your own, if you could make this happen, then Jesus died for nothing. He's trying to make this so clear to get through to us that you have to understand that there's nothing that we can do. So let's just accept and put on this truth that Jesus has given us. There's no if I can that right can gain righteousness. It's about trusting him and about guarding our hearts. And it's so important. We read in Proverbs earlier, Proverbs 4.23, says, above else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Guard your heart. So we put on the breastplate of righteousness to guard our heart because everything we do in life flows from our hearts. In other words, quit spinning your wheels trying to do things on your own and simply put on what God has already given you. He's given us the suit of armor. He's given us the tools. He's equipped us. All I have to do is put it on and trust him. And practically, we do this by looking at things that are so upsetting to us. And we can look at them almost like evil masters in our lives. Not that they're evil things. Lots of times they're good things. But the enemy is trying to turn them into evil things that take our attention off of God and what he's done in our lives. And we look at those things and we say, you know what? You're not my life. You're not my peace. You're not my righteousness. You're not my truth. And here's the great news. Your next one here is that with the power of the Holy Spirit... Your past no longer has to define you. Your past no longer has to define you. It's not controlling your life. It's not controlling your heart. It's not who you are. And this morning, there's some of you here today that you need to know that your past is not who you are. 
Your past does not define you. You are not your past. And that's something that we need to not only accept, but we need to embrace those things. Because what did we read earlier? You are completely forgiven. You are his masterpiece. You are fully loved. Now suddenly you're not afraid of anything anymore because what Jesus has done for you, it's now real to you. It's real to you that he loves you. It's real to you that you are his child. It's real to you that you can put on his righteousness. It's now real to you. They're not just words that you hear, but it's now real when we put on this armor that he's talking about. So here's what we have to do. We have to do spiritual battle now. We have to think of something that has us down, something that we just can't kick, something that's bothering us, something that seems to be beating us up, something that has control over us. We need to think about those things. Think of a struggle, think of a problem, think of something that has you cast down. Think about those things. Think about something that maybe you've been wrestling with, like Ryan talked about last week. You know, the enemy wants to get personal. He wants to wrestle with us. Think about what those things are. And here's what we do. We say to those things, you know, it's because something that I know is true of me, but this really hasn't been real. I haven't taken it up. I know I have this armor. I know I have this truth, this righteousness. I just haven't taken it up. You know, I'm going to take it up now. I want to make this true of me. I want to make it real. I have it, but I haven't put it on yet. I've taken it, but I have yet to take it up. But now that changes because I'm going to take it up. I'm going to remember what Jesus has done for me. I'm going to remember who he says I am. And I'm going to be able to stand because of what Jesus has done for me. That's how we flip the switch. That's how we start trusting God fully. Instead of trying to do more, instead of trying to work harder, we accept these gifts that God has given us and allows that to change us. You know, Paul says that we have to have the armor on before the evil day. We have to do it right now. And some of you are going to say, well, things are pretty well right now. Today's been actually great. I mean, yeah, it's Sunday at 1120. I would hope it's going well right now. But the truth is that the evil attacks are going to come. We're going to face things in life that are difficult, that are hard, that are painful. And unfortunately, we don't always have warning signs for when those things come. So that's why he says, put it on today. Be prepared today. Put on this belt of truth. Put on the breastplate of righteousness. Protect yourself today to be prepared when that time comes. Your last note here today is that we prepare for spiritual battle by remembering what God says is true about us and by guarding the righteousness he has for us. That's how we prepare. We put on this truth. It's no longer our truth, but it's God. This is who you say I am. And these words that you've spoken to me, we're going to guard them. We're going to protect our hearts because we know everything we do flows from that. And this is what Paul is saying. Paul is saying that you have to humble yourselves. There's something so humbly, or humbly, I just made up a word. There's something that takes so much humility when the, with, with a topic like this. Because everything else in life tells us that just to work a little more, try harder, you can do it. But this picture that we paint, that Jesus paints here, and that Paul paints is that we can't do these things in our own power. And that's okay. Because Jesus has, and he's saying, you can't do it on your own. That's why I've given you the armor. We're in this together. So we humble ourselves. But on the other hand, we also recognize that God loves us, that you are righteous in him, that you are accepted in him, that you are welcome in him. You know, oftentimes I think that God likes to allow us to walk through times when 
our certainty is stripped away. When the things that we thought we knew, the circumstances that we thought we had some control over. He likes to take those things away or allow us to be in situations where we're not comfortable. Almost just as a little reminder to say, trust me. I want you to know that you can't do it on your own, but that's okay because I am with you. Just trust me. I know you're having a tough time. I know you can't do it. Remember my truth. Remember what I say about you. Put on this breastplate of righteousness. Guard your heart. Guard those promises that I've told you. That we are accepted in him. That we are loved by him. You see, so when the enemy attacks and evil tries to find its way into our lives, this is how we respond. We respond to attacks. We respond to evil. We respond to the curveballs life throws us. by putting on the belt of truth. We start right there. We start by saying, God, I'm the one that you love. No matter what lies the enemy has told me, no matter how much doubt I have in myself, you know what? I am the one who Jesus loves. And that's something that you have to say is that you are the one who Jesus loves. No matter what your life has looked like up until this very point, you are the one Jesus loves. And that is the truth that we need to tell ourselves every single day. Because when we embrace that we're the ones who Jesus loves, we're going to guard our hearts. We're going to protect ourselves. We're going to make right choices because we know who we are in Christ. So when those attacks come, we say, not today. Because I know who I am. I'm taking up the truth. I'm putting on my breastplate of righteousness. Because as we continue to put these things into us, that's what's going to come out. When life squeezes us, God's truth will come out. His righteousness will come out. Because we've made daily habits of saying, God, I am the one you love. I am the one you love. And that changes us. It doesn't mean the attacks aren't going to come. It doesn't mean that life isn't going to be hard. But now we are equipped. Now we know what steps to take. And we know who is with us every step of the way. Close your eyes and pray with me this morning as we close. There's nothing spiritual about closing our eyes. It just helps us really focus in the moment here. And I want us to take just a few seconds as we begin to pray. For you to talk to God and for God to talk to you. We believe here that God has the ability to speak to our hearts. That can be some audible voice, but over these next 30 seconds, I want you to ask God, God, give me the ability to trust you. In the midst of all the doubts, of all the lies the enemy comes to throw at me, God, help me to trust you. Help me embrace the truth you have for my life. God, help me to protect my heart. God, help me to make right decisions, to make right choices, to guard my heart. So let's take these next 30 seconds for you to talk to God, God to talk to you, and we'll go ahead and close in prayer. Father, we're so thankful that we are called your children and that we are greatly loved and forgiven by you. And I pray for every single person in this room today that you'd help all of us to tune out the lies of the enemy, 
to tune out his attempts to rob us of the truth that you've given us. You got every single day, help us to embrace your truth for our lives. God, that that truth would change us. I pray even specifically for anyone here this morning who maybe struggled with their past, maybe beat themselves up time and time again. Know that Jesus fully loves you. He forgives you and that you are his child. You are his work of art. And God, I pray that when those attacks come, God, those will be the first words that pop to our mind. God, wouldn't be seeds of doubt or fear, but of hope, God, and your truth, God, because truth has a name and it's Jesus. And that's the truth we get to raise every single day. So God, help us to embrace that. Help us to guard the truth you've put inside of us, to guard our hearts, God, that you would give us the courage to make good choices. God, give us the wisdom to know what we need to do. But God, we just trust you. God, help us not to try harder, but to trust more. And then that would prepare us for whatever the enemy has for us. So God, we just commit that to you and ask your help every single day to remember those things and to guard our hearts. It's in Jesus' name we pray.